We are in Luke chapter 1. So the rule is, the rule as it stands in most homes is uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving is Christmas, right? The season officially begins. You got to hold it off. My daughter tried getting Christmas music into my house on November 1st. I blame you for this, Allie. No, but <laughs> but uh, we, so it's, it's, it's this weekend after Thanksgiving, and so we're bringing our Christmas series. We're preaching through a series entitled The Women of Christmas, looking at some of the women who are part of the Christmas story, Elizabeth and Mary, Anna the prophetess. Now, what I don't want to have happen is this. Fellas, this doesn't mean you put it in neutral and be like, oh, this is for the ladies. I got the month off of being convicted from the Lord. No, that's not what's happening. <laughs> These messages are for all of us, okay? The messages, look, every man in here should be able to be inspired, motivated, and taught by the lives of the women we will study. So open your hearts to the Lord and hear what he has to say to all of us this day. We begin in Luke chapter 1, and the song we just sang, the song we just sang just now, great song, I haven't sung in 30 years, there's that line, prepare the way of the living, prepare, prepare, prepare the way of the risen Lord. That phrase, prepare ye the way of the Lord, I know it in King James English, forgive me. The Christmas story it's bigger than Jesus in this way. It's bigger than one night in Bethlehem, is what I'm saying. How do you say, okay. For five years, my wife and I prayed for a child. For five years, we sought the Lord and asked God, would you give us the grace to give us a baby? And we prayed, and, and in our quiet time, in our private time before the Lord, with tears we besought our Father and our God, and asked him to bless with a child. For five years, there was waiting. For five years, there was expectation. For five years, there were pregnancy tests. There, were, there was hope, and then loss. Finally, one day, after being told we would never have children, we got pregnant. And that baby went full term, and Angelina was born. And on that day, there was celebration in our homes and our families. People came from all around to visit little Lena at the hospital. Two families, the Alanises and the Sims, celebrated this new life that came into the world. And this is just one baby in one place, in a, in a small little corner of the world. Most of the world didn't notice or care. There is no Angelina Day on the calendar in America. But for us, it mattered. For those who loved us, it mattered. That was five years of expectation, five years of waiting. When you open the Bible in this book of Luke, there's more than five years of expectation. There are thousands of years of waiting when Luke 1 begins. For the nation of Israel, the people of God, have been praying for a baby for generations. Noah's father, remember Noah in Genesis chapter like, 10, 11, 9, somewhere in there, in the beginning. <laughs> no, sorry, uh, <laughs> Genesis joke. 
<laughs> Noah, his dad, I think Lamech, he says, perhaps my son will be the baby who will bring hope to the nations. They're waiting for that baby all the way back there. Kings are born. Nations are born. And still, the people of Israel, the people of God, are waiting for this Messiah, this anointed one, this one who will come. They're waiting for this baby. Expectation grows for generations as people are waiting. At the height of Israel's power, when they are Two nations in one, you could say. God sends the prophets to speak to the nation. Isaiah and Jeremiah, Amos and Micah. And the prophetic word is going out among the peoples, to kings and peasants alike. And there's a lot of talk of this coming child, where they'll be born, who his mama will be. But there's also always this talk that someone will come before Messiah, to prepare the way of the risen Lord. Someone's going to come before the Christ to prepare the way for him, a forerunner, if you will. The last prophet of God, Malachi, ends his oracles by by promising us this one who will prepare the way of the Lord, who will turn the hearts of the children to their fathers, daughters to their mothers. And so as people are waiting, after Malachi gives his prophecy, there is no prophetic word for hundreds of years. There's no prophet of God, no crazy, wild-eyed, wood-living psycho who preaches God's word with fire. It's gone. The, word of the, the voice of God is gone in Israel. Everyone's waiting for Messiah, but everyone knows before Messiah must come the forerunner. That's why every single gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, every gospel does not include Christ's birth, but every gospel includes the story of John the baptizer. Because John the baptizer is preparing the way of the Lord. John has to come and tenderize the meat before Christ can marinate the truth on it. You understand? Someone's got to come over a table For Christ to come and set that table again. That's a terrible analogy, but still, what are you going to do? He put the table back over, Jesus did. But anyways, Luke tells a story beginning with the parents of John the baptizer. The forerunner, the one who prepared the way for Christ. John the baptizer's ministry is so effective. People think he's Messiah. He's always going, I'm not the one. I'm not him. When he comes, I am not worthy to bend down and lace this guy's sandals. I baptize you with water. When he comes, he will baptize you with fire. Before this guy, who who raised John? Let us learn. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, we're going to read the whole whole section of it. Here we go. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, of the division of Abijah. He had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. That's John's mom and dad. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, 
and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by Lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside the hour of incense, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Stop right here. So, Zechariah is a priest, lives with his wife. And there's a custom in Israel where a priest will go in to the temple and light candle, light incense, and pray for the coming of Messiah. That's the point of the prayer. The other priests are outside praying. The one priest goes and lights the candles. And Zechariah, who knows what the Bible says, who's waiting for Messiah, goes in there. But the thing is, they've been waiting so long. You know what happened when you wait so long for something? You kind of think it's never going to happen, right? Your hope fades. He's going through the motions. Da -da -da -da, lighting the candles. Da -da -da. All this angel appears. He's like, ah! Like, this is what you're praying for. You're waiting for this moment. He's just like, no! Like, he, he, like what are you? Like, like, this is the thing you asked for. He's like, didn't you just pray to me about this? Oh, yeah, man, I forgot. But this is what happens next. The angel says, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Prophecy. To turn the hearts to the fathers to the children. Prophecy. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. A prophecy. Right here. John, your son is going to be the forerunner. You will see Messiah in your lifetime. The rise of the angel. Well, how shall I know this? <laughs> it's, he should know better. He should know better. I've been waiting on God. My, my great, great, great grandpappy been waiting for this. I'm seeing it. And I'm still like, but uh, how do I know it's true? Like, it, it's, it's, he's just like us. We pray and pray and pray. Lord, <laughs> this is a dumb idea. Send me a sign. The world's falling around. The world's on fire. Anything, Lord, just show me. I won't do it. And God is screaming at us. And it says, how shall I know this? For I am an old man. My wife's advanced in no years. Angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting Zechariah. They were wondering his delay in the temple. Because he's in there for a long time. Usually he's going there, let the candles come out, and be like, maybe next year. Like that's, what every, that's every year. But he doesn't come out. What happened? He comes out. So, and when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. 
And when his time of service had ended, he went home. These days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. That's the story of how John the Baptist came into the world, John the Baptizer. We're going to focus on Mama Bear today, Elizabeth. We begin all the way back at verse 5. It says, Zechariah was a priest, the vision of Abijah. He had a wife and the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. So Zechariah is a priest. He's, he's a full-time minister, if you will. What's awesome is that Luke tells us that his wife is not just along for the ride. She's all in. She loves the Lord. It's, they are, it's not just a godly man and his appendage, you know what I'm saying? It's two godly people serving God together, equally yoked before the Lord. The first thing we learn about Elizabeth is this. The first thing we learn about Elizabeth is this. Elizabeth was a godly woman. She was a godly woman. Do you know what? Most little girls in America. Okay, so. Do you know what compliments most little girls in America receive from their family, their moms, their dads, their aunts and uncles? You know what the number one compliment a little girl receives for most of her life? What's it about? Her beauty. Your hair looks so nice. Your dress is so pretty. Oh, your dimples. Like all these weird things we say to kids. But the thing a a little girl gets the most affirmation about is her looks. You know what little boys get? You know what little boys get praised for? Two things. Sports, strength, it's achievement. It's skill or academic achievement. It's always what a boy does. Now, if, if we tell, if we only compliment our sons when they do something well, it communicates to them, if you don't do well, you will not be loved. If all we tell our girls, if the only, if the only affirmation our daughters receive is about their beauty, it tells them their value is attached to how they look. And in our culture, that seems to be Something we, like our, our culture exalts on high for women. The most important thing about a woman isn't her soul or her heart or her character, but it is her appearance. But the word does not agree with our culture. In Proverbs chapter 31, a king gives his son advice and records it. He tells his son what kind of woman to look for when he looks for a wife. People, a lot of women I know read this chapter and say, I want to be a Proverbs 31 woman. At the very end of the list, it says this. It says, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Elizabeth is a godly woman, and she is praised for her godliness.
sometimes for, for experimental purposes, I will go through the checkout line at a Myers or a Kroger or wherever I'm at, and I'll look at the women's magazines, just for fun. What are women being sold today? Women's magazines are awful, awful things. They just, they just, every article is like, you know, lose 10 pounds in 10 days. You know, get the best eyelashes of all time. It's every article seems to tell women, you're not good enough, and I'm going to help you become worth loving. The ladies, I want to say this. If you think about what kind of person you desire to be, know that your heart before the Lord is what he values most. That is true beauty within. And to men and women that are here, if you have young children, nieces and nephews, grandchildren, be careful the praise you heap upon your little ones. Give your daughters more attention than their beauty. We want to affirm to our daughters that they are more than their looks. Who will break our culture's lies if the people of God do not? When a father jokingly jokes in front of his daughter about how fine that girl is, he's communicating to his daughter that her value is only in her fineness. And that father has become a symptom, has become a burden to her instead of a help to her. As a father and as a parent, I try to affirm in my daughter other things besides looks. I'm not saying you can't affirm. If your daughter finds, you know, or your granddaughter or your niece finds a cute little hair thingy, you can say, oh, it's a cute little hair thingy. You're allowed to, you're allowed to say that, but don't just, don't just say that. Don't just say that. When that little one whose orbit is around your life, when you see her love, when you see her being kind or considerate or wise, praise that. When you see her be considerate, praise that. Praise the inner things that matter more, that we actually have control over. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. It's a tough thing because I know a lady, a friend of mine, and when she was in seventh grade, and I met her when she was a, a grown woman. She was a young girl in middle school. She's walking into the school one day, and two boys were sitting, at the, sitting down at the, the door, and they were giving girls numbers as they walked through. They were signing numbers to these girls, making their beauty some numerical value of their worth. God forgive them. God forgive us for talking that same trash. Because most of us have, haven't we? Fellas. And she was walking in that door, and she, heard, she saw what they were doing, and she knew how to walk through this crucible. I'm seeing what they're doing. They're saying six, oh, and eight. They're saying all these numbers. And she walks through, and they say, oh, a three, and they laugh. And her whole life, that stayed with her, that thought, I'm ugly, I'm not worthy, I'm not desirable. 
Let's be careful as a people of God not to praise the things our culture praises because culture is sick and broken. And to be at peace with the broken culture is to be broken. To agree with the broken culture is to be broken just like they are. To our ladies, I'll say this as well. We grow older. We earn every wrinkle. Women have children. It changes their bodies. In case you don't know this, ladies, the models in the magazines don't really exist. They're airbrushed. They're digitally taken in. That's not real. Our heart is only that last. Our body turns to ash, it grows old and dies. Our soul matters. Our heart matters. Elizabeth was a godly woman. And a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Fear the Lord. Seek him. Your value is not how you look. It's not in the mirror. It's not spending all the money in the world trying to hold on to youth that is fleeting and fading. It's fleeting and fading. It goes away. Next, it says this, verse 7. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. When we meet Elizabeth, she's an older woman already. And she has, she's childless. And this culture, you understand, being childless is a shame in this culture. In that culture, having a child considered a blessing by God, here's a priest with no child. She says later on in her prayer, you've taken away my reproach. You've taken away my disgrace, which means she felt the culture's idea for her. She felt the disappointment. She felt their judgment, and it was a weight on her her entire life. I don't fit the mold the culture has for women, so they pity me. They think poorly of me. Elizabeth is a godly woman, but she's also a disgraced woman. Because she couldn't have a child. She did not fit the cultural norm given to women of that time. We still do this today. Living in America, being a woman. There's there's an experiment done by this news organization. The the, the lady news anchor always got letters about how she dressed. You wore the outfit two weeks ago. Get new clothes. It's too revealing. You know, do your hair. You're on TV. Everyone's just commenting on our appearance and how I should look. So they do this, they do this thing where the, the male anchor wears the same suit for a year. And she, they're going to see, will anyone catch what he's doing? Same suit, same tie, every day for a year. He pulls the gray shirt on a much bigger scale, if you will. He gets not a single letter. And the letters for her keep on coming. Because the expectations for her are different than they are for the man. 
In our culture, our, our culture will put things on women that are brutal to carry. If a woman decides, I want to stay at home and be a stay-at-home mother with my children, some people in our culture will say, you're a disgrace to feminism. How dare you give up the fight to be at home with your kids? Other circles, a woman, as a career woman, in Christian circles, they might say to her, what are you doing working in the workplace? You should be at home with the kids. This, some people say, well, a woman must work a job, be a great mother, a great wife, a great cook. I looked up on Amazon this week, books written to working mothers. Here's some of the titles of these books I found. Maxed Out, Stretch Too Thin, my favorite, I Just Want to Pee Alone. <laughs> I laughed. I'm like, ah, I've heard this story. <laughs> but we put, and, and, and if, you're, if you're a mother, oh, If you don't do things according to someone else's opinion, man, the internet will burn you down. You, oh, you're doing formula this early? Oh! You took medicine when the baby was born? Whoa! Don't you know it'll hurt the baby? You're, not, you're doing this type of potty training? Don't you know? I wrote once on Facebook, I was, my wife, because listen, I really deferred to my wife raising the kids because she read more of the books than I did. Yeah, that's what it is. And she's smarter than I am. But my daughter, very headstrong, one night we had to put her in her, her own bed and let her, she's like, we're going to go in a room, we're going to let her cry it out, we're going to let her go to sleep. I, I was walking around the living room, I wanted to go save her, and she's like, if you open that door, we lose this fight. I'm like, oh, baby. Like, but she, she held the line for us. After that, she slept every night. We fought that one awful battle. But I put on Facebook, oh, man, it was a tough night. Lena cried out. And people just started yelling at us. These women just started piling on, like, don't you know? Like, they're telling us how we're terrible parents, how we're doing it wrong. I got a taste of the mommy wars. It scared me something. I never posted my kids again. Oh, she did it. She raised them. I don't know what happened. I, I, it's, just, it's just that scary. It's it's. People were that inconsiderate and unkind. Being a woman's tough because our culture gives women all these things of what you must be. If you don't do this thing the way this woman says you should, they'll shame you and guilt you for it. Listen. There's freedom in Christ. However God made the ladies in this room, he's watching on the internet. If you want to stay at home and raise your kids, God bless you. If you want to have 100 kids, you're crazy, but God bless you. If you want to have no children, God bless you. If you want to do formula or the other thing, God bless you. I'm preaching, I got to keep it G-rated. Don't, like, Elizabeth was a woman who felt the burden of society's judgment upon her. It's tough. That judgment from outside is tough. There was this movie called Inside Out that came out. Very, very wise film. Maybe even prophetic. 
And I laughed because in the movie Inside Out, there's five emotions driving people's heads, right? And the little girl, she has other five, and they're all cut. Joy is the one driving her mind. When you meet the dad, anger drives him. I'm like, ha, 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 oh. Because like, I'm like, that's the one with the wheel. That's the one that drives. Uh, but for the mom, it, it made me sad. Because what's funny, every woman you meet, in the, every woman is driven by, which one is Sadness. And I was like, that's a heck of a thing to say as a movie, just, just that women can feel very much not enough, not doing enough, not strong enough, not good enough. Our culture is very hard on women in this way. Rest in the Lord. He, his opinion is what matters most. Not your mama or your dad or your best friends or your sister's. Or some dumb blog you read, just I don't know why you read it all the time. It makes you feel bad. I don't know. I'm dealing with a lot of whether you're widowed or single or married or divorced, everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's got an opinion. You stand before the Lord. You stand before the Lord. The chapter, that chapter ends this way. Zechariah comes out of the temple. He cannot talk. He goes home. Cannot talk. He can't tell her. Angel! Like, and they, this is not before paper and pencil. No one, you can't afford papyrus, okay? He's got to try to mime to her angel of the Lord. I, I, like, I, don't, I don't know what. I, what is she thinking? Angel of the Lord, and we're going to be pregnant. It's just like, it's, so, it's got to be, it's got to be poor lady. But they get pregnant. And this is what she says after she gets pregnant. Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. God heard my heart and saw my heart and knew my innermost desires. And on this day, 80 years later, he finally gave me the thing I longed for the most. After all the waiting, after all the prayers and the crying, God had not forgotten her. He finally came. Elizabeth was blessed, a blessed woman. It is hard to be a woman in this land. I think it's hard to be a woman in every culture. It's, it's, it's true. In America, women try to be tan and look brown. They want to be like me. But you go to Mexico, women, women have umbrellas outside and buy skin lightning cream to be white because every culture tells their girls they're not enough. Be darker, be lighter. Be taller, be shorter. Be more independent. Be less independent. Make more money. Make less money. It's just, it's crazy, the voices that come at our women. But Elizabeth honored God, obeyed God, followed God her whole life. And when it was beyond the realm of possibility, God showed up. And she was blessed. Be content in the Lord. 
Wait upon the Lord. Trust the Lord. For our single women in the house, I know for many women, there is a prayer someday to know love. It's a hard thing. It's, it's hard to meet people nowadays. The dating scene is awful. It's terrible. It's awful. Meeting people is hard. It's real hard. Um, my wife could say it better than I can. Came a point in her life um, after college, after my wife studied sociology and missiology. Okay, I listen. Graduated top of her class. Okay. And she wanted to go to missions. She wanted to be a missionary. And she went to the mission boards. Here's my resume. I will, I will I'll go anywhere and do anything. Just give me a chance. And no one will give her a chance. They said, oh, we want you to be married. Oh, we need more couples. We don't need single women. Oh, we need more experience. And no one will give her a chance. And after all that heartache, she finally ended up going back home to a tree farm in northern Michigan and building log houses with her father. Living the dream! But she, she, she wanted to be a missionary, and she was back home in Podunk, America, swinging a hammer. And there was a, there was a, few, there was a few suitors, a few dates out there. Didn't go great. Um, a couple knuckleheads tried to date her. One guy asked her to marry him like three times. And she said, no, she saw it. Uh. After the last time he proposed, he ended up being married to someone else like six months later. So he, just, he didn't want her, he wanted just a woman to marry. She said, you know what, Lord, I'm, this is so confusing and so much craziness. I don't, I don't need a husband. I'm cool. She's like, Lord, I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to be ex expectant. I'm not going to be scared. I'm not going to be looking all the time. I'm just going to trust you. If you want me to get married, you've got to bring some guy to my doorstep someday. And she put it down at the feet of God and said, I'm not going to worry about it. And years went on. Years went forward. And she was, and in that time, she just wait, pining, Lord, when will my man come? She started serving in her youth group, leading worship at her church, leading mission trips all across America. Was Ricky on one of those, babe? Ricky was on one of the trips my wife led, which is unreal. She was serving the Lord, and she said, again, bring him to my doorstep, or I'm not going to worry about it. And then one day, years after that prayer was prayed, a man showed up on her doorstep in a blanket with no clothes on. <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> that was me, in case you didn't know that. That was me. <laughs> Is this so-and-so's house? No. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, We'll go back to the real things. Find contentment in the Lord. Don't wait around for the dream of your heart. God knows what it is. Whatever it may be, whether it's marriage or children or whatever it may be, find your contentment in the Lord and the Lord alone. Because you won't find it anywhere else. If you think, if you're single, you think some man's going to bring you, bring you the hope you're looking for, have you ever dated a man? 
a woman doesn't enter into the curse until she gets married. Like the curse of God. Pain and childbirth is there for your husband. If you get married, there's no curse of God in your life. You're free of the curse. I said, it's true. I read it. My, it's, but if you put your hope in that, and you find also you get married, things are going to save you, it's hard too. It's a different kind of hard. Seek the Lord. Find your comfort in him. Whatever happens next, you're content with God. You can walk with him, trusting, knowing God's got me and this is enough. It's enough. Elizabeth was a godly woman. She was a disgraced woman. But you know what? She was a blessed woman. And I hope her life can be an encouragement to you this day. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, I want to pray first for all the women, both here in the house, watching online, and the ones who will watch later. Use these stumbling, fumbling words to encourage and mend many hearts. For the men in this room, let us not heap upon our sisters the evils of our culture. Let us be careful in our words, intentional in our praise. Help us give to our next generation more than we were given. Something healthier, truer, more beautiful. Thank you for your word this morning, Father. In Christ's name we ask these things.